It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Footballistically, Arsenal is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hill and we've been away for, I think this feels like the longest break I've ever had in the history of what one might call hosting this podcast, which I've been doing for many, many years. Josh also is away, outrageously. He's getting married. He's not, I don't think he's actually getting married as we speak, but he's announced that he's engaged to his lovely fiance now and he's away, I think, kind of almost celebrating that fact, but he's found a very lovely lady um, who doesn't mind the fact that he's obsessively pro Arsene Wenger. So she's obviously definitely one for keeps, and, they are, and they're going to get married. But we have two wonderful guests. We have Laith, as he's known, at Laith on Twitter, living legend of the Islington Gazette fame and elsewhere, who was forsaken. Who, you were supposed to go and see a football match tonight, weren't you? I was, yeah. I was supposed to cover um, Hitchin Town. Hitchin Town. <laughs> but um, they actually got called off. Did it? Yeah. Oh, Only after I tweeted my um, apologies for not making it. Really? So, uh, yeah. Those two must be connected. <laughs> Hitchin's like, if Leith's not coming, we're not playing. Hitchin's loss is our gain. Oh, I'm that's going to Hereford. Hitchin Town, Hereford on uh, Monday oh, yeah. night, actually. Okay, yeah, wow. So. I mean, that, that's huge respect. <laughs> but you spend most of your time, it's fair to say, writing about Arsenal. Yes. For yeah, these things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, excellent, welcome. And we have Beard of Pires, as he's known on Twitter, aka James. Welcome, welcome back. Evening, boy, good to see you. Um, you've been away in Paris, but you did watch the key, our, our first game in what feels like months. It's only been, what, a couple of weeks, I guess. Um, but it's weird to have that huge long gap, wasn't it? And I guess when we came back, we should, we'll talk about the game, we'll talk about various other issues. I'm talking about formations, I want to talk about Bellerin's veganism. Late, <laughs> if you have any interesting takes on that, I think it's great. Yeah, hold on. Let's not let's not spoil it now. Um, but before we get any of into that, well, I just should remind you that we are sponsored for the season by Labrooks, and um, there's lots of various um, deals. But all I need to say is, if you check out bet.arsenalpodcast.net, you'll see all the stuff about Labrooks. So that game against Stoke on Saturday, um, very empty. 
first of all. No- notably, I thought it was even emptier than kind of previous games that were semi-empty. I don't know what you thought, Laith. Um, and asked, after the thing was asked about it, did you, I don't know if you asked about it, but I saw him asked about it on one of the interviews, and he said, oh, yeah, it's Easter. I mean, it was Easter Sunday, which was a weird... It's lunch times where everyone's having their roasts and stuff. But still, if we've been playing really good football and, and, and competing for even top four I think there would have been more people there do you think yeah yeah you're absolutely right I was um, I was down at London Colney today um, sort of covering uh, pre-CSK Moscow um, mm. interviews um, Wenger was obviously there we had um, Mkhitaryan as well um, and Wenger sort of said the same thing really someone asked him and he just said yeah it was Easter and I really wanted to go back and check the, fix, uh, the mm. figures the attendances for the last 10 years but obviously it's after attendances it doesn't mean anything anyway yeah, but, right. yeah. but it's Easter every year you know yeah. and th- 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 we've never seen those seats as empty as that no before so um, it just reminds me of 85 86 when there there was a you know there was a real rudderless sort of um situation at the club that the team was was riven by cliques although you could argue it's not as bad as it is now um it's it's not as bad as it was then but there are certain uh players who are just not good enough to play for arsenal and it just seems like the ship is just listing and and wenger still believes that three or four wins and maybe the, the Europa League and everything's fine again. And obviously, yeah. I, I tweeted something the other day about, um, you know, no one understands us, we don't care. You know, the old sort of riff on the Millwall thing. Yeah. Everyone goes, oh yeah, Arsenal fans are so full of self-entitlement and this, that and the other. It's not about that. You just want to see a bit of progress. You want to see your team winning and playing well and having fun and hopefully adding a few more players. And it just... Until I know someone said the other day we won four games in a row. It doesn't feel like it. It no, really we? doesn't feel like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the two Milan games, Watford oh, yeah. and, um, okay. and, and Stoke. Okay. And it, it doesn't feel like no. it. And we just need a change of manager, basically. Yes. Well, before we get into the nitty gritty of that, uh, as for the actual game, which you, which you watched um, live from Paris, hmm. James, um, I mean, the first half, I actually thought was, I mean, maybe the first 25, 30 minutes was even worse than recent terrible diabolical performances I, I i was absolutely i could not believe how terrible we were i think it was 25 minutes before there was even i'm not a shot on goal a concerted attack that went anywhere near their goal yeah. it was quite incredible what did you, what did you think yeah you're, you're completely right and it was it was the passing which lacked any crispness even Ozil, who's normally so metronomic couldn't ever you know he couldn't find his man and i never thought i'd hear myself saying this but I think we were really missing Xhaka on Sunday. <laughs> oh my God. That's bold. You've gone straight <laughs> in there. Bold, yeah. 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 <laughs> Balls out of the bar force from that one. But he, whatever you think of him, he does add a certain surety to our passing. He does try and pass between the lines. Right. And for instance, Mustafi was, I think, instructed to pick up that role in Xhaka's absence. And his passing was way off in the first terrible, half an hour, yeah. first half. Yeah. El Nene, for all the progress he's made this season, is still limited in terms of his ability to drive play forward. He's very much kind of sideways, keep things ticking over kind of passer. We then had this odd situation where Ozil shunted out to the right to accommodate um, Jack Wilshire in a number 10 position where he looked, I thought Jack was absolutely hopeless all game on on Sunday. I mean, I, I don't actually feel like he's played well since uh, the second leg against Chelsea in the League Cup. Um, we just look completely devoid of ideas. And it's it's been a theme for al- almost a decade under Wenger where 
there's certain games where it feels like we just haven't prepared properly and we start half asleep and it does often tend to be the early afternoon kickoffs and we've got a real issue there and clearly it's incumbent on the players to get in the right mind frame but it's it's a recurring theme which keeps on happening and if it weren't for a fairly fortuitous penalty um, for the first goal it's difficult to see how we'd have broken them down because really the two other goals came when the game opened up a bit yeah, absolutely. It, it was it was incredible how, um, and we will talk formations uh, uh, later. I'm fascinated by that. There's been a lot of talk of formations on on Twitter and social media this week. But th- as James says, putting Özil out wide, he always seems to me unhappy and visibly unhappy if he's not kind of in the middle running things. And and he was, wasn't he? And then when he, later on in the game, he kind of start, suddenly he start, went more central and started running things, and it, and it all got better. Why does why does Wenger do these things? Why does he play players not clearly not in their best oh, position? Yeah, that's, the, that's the question, isn't it, boy? It really is. Um, I, I still think he can. He thinks he can turn every player into uh, Thierry Henry by playing them in the wrong position. <laughs> but just going back to Granit Xhaka, I, I completely understand what you're saying, and I agree with a lot of it. But I just think with Granit Xhaka, he's not creative enough to be that sort of you know pivotal player who's going to spray the ball around. He's not dynamic enough to be a box to box midfielder, and I don't think he's disciplined enough to be a you know one of the shields basically. But but he's he's better than a lot of players, I suppose. But um, that's not so much at the moment. But um, yeah, it's just so frustrating because um, you're right about the, the the early kickoff against Stoke. What that reminded me of was um, the the Munich games last year. I, I would say the five one, but there's been a lot of them against Munich. Yeah, and um, the, the, especially the one in Munich last season, the first leg. Um, I was in the, the, the press conference afterwards. Finger walked in completely ashen faced as he normally does after a defeat. But surprisingly, he looks fine two days later. But he came in and literally there was a two minute press conference and he said, Oh, my, my team wasn't prepared. And then literally there was 20 English journalists going to go asking the next question, Why? And, and he couldn't answer <coughs> it. And then they literally cut the press conference short and that was it. And it, it was just like em- the Emperor's you know, new clothes. Why are they mm. not prepared? Yeah. It's. You know, he used to be lauded for sports science and, you know, let them eat pasta at 8 o'clock in the morning because it's an early kickoff and all the rest of it. But that seems to have fallen by the wayside. But that's his thing now. I've noticed that, actually, that in, in, in press conferences, and you know, you're actually there, but I, in, in post-match interviews and stuff, when he's asked about, um, like, after this one, when he, in his very croaky, he was ill, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah. So in his very croaky voice, I, I think it might have been on Five Live, um, he, tell, he, he listed this everything that was wrong with the first half forwards. Almost it was nothing to do with him. Just an observer like us talking about it now. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, they were listless. They were, they were passing was terrible. No one knew what their role was. I'm like, hold on a minute. You're the one yeah, supposed to absolutely. be getting them in gear. And that doesn't, that, and it, it's almost like he's divorced from the fact that, well, it's down to him. I yeah. mean, obviously it's age old thing, isn't it? Do you play, do you blame the players for being that shocking? But for me, if, if you haven't played, right, this is the situation for me, because I think you're right about the kickoff time and everything, but if you haven't played for, what, two, nearly three weeks, and then you pick a formation that's a bit odd that you haven't played recently, or and certainly players out of position, as I've already said, and even, and even not picking Xhaka, and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe he's not picking Xhaka. But you, you pick... You, you pick these other this, these players who've never played together before at all, and then you almost expect it to be a bit of a shambles, as it was. Yeah. And, and so, 
he could have. I think, and the other thing is, he he, picked, he seemed to be picking the team with a view to tomorrow night's game. We're recording this tonight, Wednesday. Tomorrow we're playing Moscow. But there's a huge gap between Sunday and Thursday. Yeah. I, he could have. I, he literally could have played the team who's intending to play tomorrow, couldn't he? Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, you know, you're absolutely right. And it, it, you use the word divorced. It is when you when you sit there and you listen to him or you're asking questions, and he'll always give you an answer. He's not like certain managers. I'm not going to mention here, but will be so spiky they'll just be really arsy and they won't they won't give you an answer. He'll always give you an answer. So you've got copy but he'll never answer it if it's a negative question um, he just will always talk in the third person as if it, it's almost like talking about another team yeah. you know and you're like well you, you're the boss you, you, it, it, the responsibility lies at your feet basically and it's, weird, it's it? just so frustrating yeah. and all season he's been saying oh you know the Europa League it isn't it doesn't mean much or Marino won it last year but yeah, we're, we're not worried about that we're going to concentrate on the league and even now he's so stubborn he won't admit even today he wouldn't admit the Europa League was the best chance of getting into the Champions no, League no he must he, he was just like really? we, we, we'll do our best and we've still got games and he obviously primed Mkhitaryan because Mkhitaryan was like someone asked him about you know what, what do you think about your chances blah 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 and he was like oh you know we've still got loads of league games left and well yeah okay but we're 13 points behind fourth place it's, it's not going to happen I mean that's, you know, so. that is literally living, yeah I mean we're both using the word literally a lot but that is <laughs> cloud cookie land isn't it yeah, I mean you, let's talk about the, the penalties the, the, you said the first one was fortuitous to say the least it was quite funny watching it. as I always do I, worry, I, get, I was at the match but then I watched it back on Sky and Alan Smith took ages to notice he was the pundit. Ages to notice that the player who was the, the defender got a foot to the ball. He got he tapped the ball. Then, then was it Ozil fell over? Was it Ozil? Yeah, it was Ozil. Ozil he, yeah, he kicked the ground. Yeah, yeah. He hit the ground. Mm-hmm. But if he gets the ball, uh, I mean, I'm, you know, that's not a penalty, is it? So, I mean, you know, I'd love to think. I don't, but you know, you got to be honest, haven't you? It wasn't a penalty, was it? Yeah, yeah. As a journalist, it certainly wasn't a penalty. But as an no. Arsenal fan, I'm glad it was given. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course, absolutely thrilled it was given. Yeah, the second one, he was, was seemed clearer to me that he was pretty much bundled over, wasn't he? I mean that. But even some people see even saying the second one was. But I don't, I don't. Yeah. That I don't see. But at that point, it was well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything that. You know, that sort of went against Stoke was um, with my fans hat on was fully deserved after their songs <laughs> against Aaron Ramsey. To be honest, so oh, that, that's the fact that's still coming, going still on. Go, yeah, and that's um, unbelievable. That's the weirdest chant yeah. in football. That the fans of yeah. a team whose player did the horrendous foul yeah. that broke our play yeah. chant about the, pl- the victim talk about blaming the victim. Yeah, that's absolutely. the weirdest. How dare thing. you get your leg broken and then play again? It's you know, so it's, I still don't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, touchy on that. I. I saw a link on Twitter and it was basically like going into the dark web to a Stoke City fans forum. Oh, no. God. And the dark the, web. <laughs> you know, talking about the delusions of Arsene Wenger, these guys are, it's honestly, it's next level. Um, yeah. They are absolutely convinced that Ryan Shawcross is still this poor little scarred victim and it was a 50-50 and it's Ramsey's fault for dangling his leg and oh he refused Shawcross's apology and you know, Wenger was heating the whole thing up. It's utterly staggering. Um, I mean, Stoke, Stoke though, it is one of, it's one of those places that time forgot. And yeah. you only live in Stoke if you're from there, don't you? <laughs> oh, I remember going to the FA Cup game in 1990 and we walked in his pub and everyone was talking. And as soon as they realised we were mouthy cockneys, although we hadn't said a word, they just literally stopped talking, stared at us. And we were like, maybe we should leave, actually. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, last the last time I went to uh, the Britannia, it was pelting with snow, and we you have to obviously get a bus down the motorway to get there, and we're rushing in, and two six, probably fifteen sixteen year old Stoke fans just shouted across to me, "Oh, you specky twat, piss off!" <laughs> 
and that's charming. Oh, so just wearing glasses in the Stoke area is not is not. A <laughs> yeah. I was wearing glasses and fitted I mean, yeah. fitted jeans. You're a bit of a hipster. I was wearing. Come on, I was I was wearing fitted jeans and yeah. trainers. Yeah, that, yeah. Southern know, hipster. What, what trainers were they? They cost more than twenty quid. But. <laughs> Yeah, it was shocking. I mean, in the end, it was it was you know we play, it was one of the it was one of the most flattering three nil yeah. victories, and we were pretty pretty terrible, weren't we? But I think one of the to me the most interesting thing and the most heartening thing and uh, the thing that gave me some optimism for the future of our club, Leith, was to see Lacazette and Aubameyang together yeah. and Özil yeah. together yeah. and even Mkhitaryan at one point. Yeah, um, and to me because I, I go on about this all the time, but for me. Especially us, you've got to play your best attacking players, haven't you? And yeah. f- find out a way of incorporating them into into some kind of um, formation that makes sense. That's going to and to kind of and people are going, oh, now that Aubameyang see Lacazette's got going to be on the bench. But for me, Lacazette's a really good. He came on. I thought he kind of ch- changed the game. He was so immediately. There's something quality about him. Yeah. His close control and his speed. And I just thought he. So that I, I took some heart from. Did you? Absolutely. That's a really good point as well. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Lacazette and. Um, I think he was just tired come sort of January, February time and he was obviously used to having a, a mid-season break in France for I think what, five, six years when he played at Lyon and scored more than 100 goals. I, I, I really like him. He, he, he came back from injury. People said, oh, look, he looked a bit fed up. Well, to be fair, I'd be fed up if I was bought for 53 million as held as a saviour, going to be playing up front every game and then suddenly, you know, out of nowhere, a Bangamon comes along who absolutely is a great player and, yeah. and can do so well for us. But, you know, no wonder he's a bit fed up. But at the same time, his attitude is all always been spot on he's always been a team player he always you see he loves playing for Arsenal as well and you're right he's a very good player as well um just to talk about Bang Miang, I don't think that was a Wenger signing. I really don't. Really? It, he was 28, 29, along with Mkhitaryan, and yeah. he's come in. I think Mislintat and a few others have, um, have sort of tried to, you know, initiate a power struggle, really, yeah. in terms of signing new players. Having said that, I'm glad he's here. Yeah. Although, yeah. driving to London Colney for some um, Wenger press conferences, I do, um, I do see this Ferrari literally weaving in that traffic oh, really? faster than that all well not faster than the speed limit in case anyone's listening but but borderline speed limit and um, <laughs> he's obviously late and you see it and you get your park in there and it's got the sort of uh, yeah, I won't, I won't get into details but <laughs> N- it's, name it's, is, yeah, yeah, it's his naming his yeah, car it's his car and he, yeah. he, he, he that's he, hilarious he, he is a bit late sometimes because oh, he was renowned for being late wasn't he in, yeah because yeah, 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 that's, that's it, why he had a massive fallout didn't he yeah, yeah exactly and, yeah. and you see him sometimes when you when you finish at the press room a couple of hours after the end of a game at Arsenal and, and he's, he bombs his car along and yeah. good luck to him I suppose I'd do the same if I had that sort of money but yeah. you do wonder how long that relationship will last in terms of you know, because you've got to be on time. That's yes. the bottom thing. You get and paid X amount of money. You're, you're a professional. You've got to be on time. And I've seen him a couple of times when really? he's, he's been late with London Goldie. Having said that, getting his hair done. You know, it's got yeah, that, that's, that's an elaborate hair. It's got, like, what, what's got written something written it's, in it? Um, it's a, his his granny passed away. Oh, so, okay. No. Right. Okay. okay. I'm fine. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I'll take he was, that he was getting that sorted Absolutely. out. Absolutely. You, you could do something similar, Boyd. That would be thank you. Steady, steady on. Um, there's a lot of boldness in the room today. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll talk about more about that after this quick break. I'll talk about more about boldness. No, we'll talk about more about <laughs> Arsenal after this quick break. <laughs> Footballistically, Arsenal is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. And we're back from the break. We're talking more about baldness. Um, and Aubameyang's hair. And uh, the intro- So, James, in terms of the Aubameyang, Lacazette, the attacking, the group of attacking players, do you, do you think it's, it's important that we try and incorporate, find a way of incorporating it? And if so, how? I mean, we saw a bit on, on 
Saturday. Was it Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Sunday. 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 Um, but even then, he kind of moved Aubameyang out wide, didn't he? Like, he seems incredibly reluctant to play two up front as a thing. But other teams do, don't they? Yeah. Other teams with two really good strikers just do it. It's not like they, but he seems very reluctant to do it. Yeah, I, th- I think it is important that we pay all of our best attacking players because, as we've seen from experience in recent seasons, regardless of what formation we play, we're always going to be poorest defensively with yeah. Enger as our manager. So there's a big part of me that just thinks, fuck it. Oh. Just try and outscore the opposition. Completely. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of how you fit them in, it's interesting. I think Aubameyang playing out wide, if I was going to play one of them wide, it wouldn't be him. No. I don't think he's got the skill set for it. Um, he's he's not a link player. He's a player who plays on the last shoulder and he's a finisher. Uh, whereas Lacazette is probably... The player I thought we were getting is more similar to what Aubameyang is. Mm. But similarly to you guys, I've been really impressed by him. And his technique and hold-up play and link play and intelligence is far greater than I thought we yeah. were getting. So I've been pleasantly surprised in that regard. Yeah. So, he got a massive um, response when he came back, came on. from, mm-hmm. from the, I mean, obviously, you know, any player coming back from injury gets a good bit. Got a re- mm-hmm. I was kind yeah. of slightly surprised because there was a, you, you, as you were kind of alluding to, towards the end before he got his operation, for whatever that was, people were having, because he had, did have a spell where he wasn't scoring yeah. and people were sl- starting to have a go at him, weren't they? Um, which I thought was slightly unfair. Um, but they got a massive, massive reception yeah. from the fans. The yeah, and, and deservedly so, and that's testament yeah. to, to, to the way he's played this season as, as a team player and as someone who scored a few goals as well. Going back to the original point, though, I think they can play together, and right. it would be great to have two up front. I'm, yeah. You know, it's just not the done thing, but then why, just, why not? Why not? If you're playing one up front, you've got two spare centre-halves as a defence. You know, what, what yeah. are you going to do with those? It's so, so now we're on formations. Come on, let's talk about it. <laughs> so he's ditched five, three at the back. Um, you know, which is maybe okay with this with the defenders he's got at his disposal. Maybe I don't know. But now, but now, have we got? And, and he's he's. It looks like he's going to try and work out a way. Certainly, when if they're all available of, of playing out those attacking players. So what? But do you think he should go back to three? The back. To, what's, what's your feeling about this? From uh, my, my my bottom line is I don't know. I mean, I'm no, I I am no expert at all. But he, what I don't get is his what's going on in his head. The, yeah. It doesn't seem to me that he's fi- finding a formation that suits our best players. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Veng- Wenger's always been a bit um, reactive rather than proactive when it comes to tactics. And if you remember the start of last season or end of September, we beat Chelsea 3-0. Yeah. And obviously Conte had come in going, well, you know, you, you've done really well the season before. We're going to play four at the back. After that 3-0, he changed to three at the back and they went on a massive run and obviously burnt everyone away and won the, won the league title that season. Wenger didn't start playing three at the back until we went to Middlesbrough in the middle of April. Right. So that's like eight, nine months. Well, what, you know, we, we all watched the games. What, they, they were lacking when, when everyone else was playing three at the back. As soon as he went to three at the back, a lot of people went back to four at the back. <laughs> it's funny, just, isn't it? Yeah. You know, for, for me, I mean... It, <laughs> I think if you're a good player, you can play anywhere and you, and you should be able to, to work out, you know, your positional discipline and, and your defensive shape and, and keep your defensive shape. Because three at the back, if you've got two really good win backs, that can easily be five. For me, someone like Bellerin, if you look at Bellerin, it's not so much his problem when someone's running at him. Mm. It's when the ball's on the other side of the pitch. Mm. So the, the two centre-halves get dragged across. You've obviously got the left-back on the other side. He doesn't know whether to go with, with his right centre-half or stay. 
And it's just, there's so many times he's just made really basic errors. And you do and wonder, going back to Steve Bold, what Boldy does. He, he, oh, yeah. he was actually... Um, that was weird, wasn't it? You must have been weird to have Boldy in yeah, the, the, yeah. doing the media um, yeah, duties. Yeah, absolutely. Was and, and you How re- was that? How was you it? really wanted a sense of um, him sort of, you know, he was obviously talking in platitudes and talked about Stoke a bit, but you wanted a sense of him at least wanting to say something, but he couldn't because yeah. of his, his bound by the structure and everything else. Course, but yeah. It didn't seem like there was anything yeah. there. It really didn't. Did and, say, and I loved him as a player. I was t- and, and he's such a tough bloke as well, and he deserves respect. Yeah. That, that um, 89 premiere oh, of the film, yeah. it was, it, obviously we were there and you know yeah. we saw it behind the scenes as well. When he started, you know, Tony Adams was there, all, oh, I love Tony Adams as well. When he started talking, even now, all the boys stopped talking and listened yeah, to him. Whereas Tony Adams yeah. was a bit, yeah. bit more of a sort of joker and stuff off yeah. the pitch. Obviously on it, yeah. he was a leader just like Bold was. But, but Bold, seeing that, seeing that character, seeing that leadership... It's just not coming through. Yeah. And it's Bolt, so disappointing. It was, Bolt was, yeah, he was at the, at the press. Did you see, hear or listen to any of Bold at the press conference? And he said something like, it's an absolute pleasure to sit there next to Awesome, yeah, yeah. That never looks well, like yeah, it. Yeah, it like yeah. I, I don't think they've talked to each other for three years on the bench. They, they don't, don't say yeah. a lot, do the they? The body language is terrible yeah, as well. I agree, yeah. And Wenger just doesn't listen to him if he does say something, which mm. which is a sad indictment in itself, really. Um, just, just going back to the formation. Yes. Point. Yes. Good point. <laughs> if, if we want to get Lacazette, Bamiang and Ozil in the same team I think it has to be three at the back because that allows you to have wing backs and if we're playing if we want to get the best out of Lacazette Bamiang and Ozil none of them should be out wide and if mm. any of them are playing out wide they're not going to retain width we don't really have any proper proper wingers in the no. squad which has to be addressed this summer yeah, but, we got rid of them all yeah, yeah we sold them all yeah. uh, Theo was our only proper winger of course, yeah. um, didn't you have a party when he left? Steady, you know I love you know I love the uh, party in his honour. Yeah. Um so the only way we're gonna have any width to create space for those guys is playing playing with wing backs. Um and I think I think we've just about got the centre halves to accommodate that. Mustafi is actually he's playing fairly well again. Shelney got rested, which was probably long overdue, but I thought Chambers had a really good game on yeah, Sunday. He was better than, yeah. Um and I think he's a player who needs a run of games to be accurately appraised. The issue is always going to be the central of midfield. Um, yes. Because as far as I'm concerned, Ramsey has to be one of the ones who plays because he's our best midfielder without question. Um, I think the likes of Wilshire, who I know we're going to come on to mm. as we're a starting player. Well, yeah. as, as a starting player, he is... I don't see a place for him in any system. Um, he can't play in a two because he just doesn't have the... It's not the discipline he lacks, it's the mobility. Um similarly to Xhaka if the ball goes behind him he there's no recovery pace there anymore and his passing isn't as incisive and he's not as much of a threat as he used to be he's mm. probably potentially for defenders he's been doing the same thing for almost 10 years it becomes slightly predictable and I know people love to wax lyrical about him he's an Arsenal boy and all the rest of it and I appreciate that but if you're making a straight decision between him and Ramsey who both have contract issues one the year after the other it's a no-brainer in terms of ceiling uh, as far as I'm, I'm concerned Ramsey on form in the right formation playing well is probably one of the top five midfielders in the league comfortably but there's a lot of um, qualifications there If because he, I mean, he can have periods mm. where for me disappears a bit but his his worst periods for Arsenal have been when he's been playing with Coquelin or Flamini oh, yeah, next to him in midfield yeah. and yeah, yeah. People say he's not disciplined. Well, he's probably under instruction to get forward because yeah. Wenger knows Cochrane and Flamini aren't going to 
push the other team backwards. Are we now in a situation, I mean, I hear rumours that, you, you know better than me, where the, the, both Jack and, uh, they're, they're, neither of them are happy. It's, I mean, Joe Jack's contract negotiation is happening right now, and he's clearly not been offered what he wants. But I hear that Ramsey wants to go as well. Is that, have you heard that? Is that? Um, well, I mean, Ramsey's contract is ticking down, just yeah. as, um, you know, certain other players have, have sort of gone through this season, really. But, but talking about Jack Wilshire specifically, yeah. Yeah. I've got to say as a disclaimer, I love him a bit. I, I know his dad. I've talked to his dad regularly. i talked to his agent as well. I know for a fact they're not happy with the offer on the table. I mean, you could argue not 85, 90 grand a week, you know, where did it all go wrong? But when he sees Ozil on 350 grand a week and he's been offered a heavily incentivised contract, you just want parity with your, with your colleagues, really. Mm. And he's, he's nowhere near happy and he won't sign. Simple as that. If, if the, if the offer isn't going to be upped, basically. And judging by what Wenger's been saying all season, it's not going to be upped, basically. Talking about his effectiveness on the pitch, I, I, you know, you can talk about his heart and, and, and his English spirit and all the rest of it, but there's a really interesting bit in um, Dennis, Dennis Burkamp's book. Um, I'm desperately trying to think who wrote it, but um, he basically talked about when you strap your ankles because you know, injuries took its toll towards the end of his career. And it's really difficult sometimes when the ball, even for Dennis Burkamp to cushion the ball if you've got strapped ankles. Obviously, Jack Wilshire has been through the mill in terms of injuries. Yeah. Everyone says his second touch is always a tackle because he drives on with his first touch. Those ankles are not going to get any better, basically. So if you talk at any of his knees and all the rest of it, and he's still only 26, a young 26 as well, in terms of just turning 26 in January. So if you're talking purely in terms of his fitness, then I don't think he's worth 300 grand a week, 350 grand a week. But I don't think he's, he deserves more than 85 right, grand a week, right. basically. And the, the Arsenal contract situation seems to be playing on the fact that he's yeah. bad his injuries but yeah. I, which I find I mean either you want him or you don't I mean I'm not I slightly agree with you James about mm. his effectiveness certainly he has not having he had I think his passing in the in the second was 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 really disappointing wasn't it but but for me he is our only almost leader out, out on the pit well I mean you know who else who else you know you know the leader thing is <laughs> you know it's not important or there are other leaders which I mean who else is there well our captain elect is Aaron Ramsey, obviously. Um, but he doesn't feel like an, a, a, any kind but of. It's, it's leading by example. I mean, Vieira, I had this um, massive drunken de- argument <laughs> with friends um, in Paris, appropriately, about leadership in football. Oh, good. Can we live it here talk- now? <laughs> and, like a seminar. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Vieira, he, he wasn't a massive talker on the pitch. He yeah. led by example. And I think the modern game is so much more. I think players are so much more tactically aware and refined in that respect than they used to be. You don't need your Tony Adams shaking his fist anymore. It, it doesn't matter. It, I really don't think it's that big a deal. And you look at the successful teams across Europe, all of their captains lead by style where they're leading by example. But would you not say, like when you go up to, for example, Stoke away, and I played him already this season and lost... Sometimes you need a leader up there. Sometimes you need... When, you, when your back's against the wall, and I know we play silky football, we've got great players technically, but when they've got a corner and they're loading the box with big lads, going to you know, flick the ball in or, or fire the ball in, surely it's just... You want someone to go, no, you stand there, you but, take him, but that's, get a goal that's what, that's No what one, centi- no one says what, a word. That's what centre-backs do. You don't but no one a, says a word. You don't have to be a captain, do they? They're not organised. They don't organise each other either. And that's it, the wrong it's thing. so Us. frustrating. I agree with you about other... I think, I think in, in your examples of other great teams the best teams but I think we particularly we do need some kind of leadership because yeah. it's so it, patently not yeah. there that 
the the Shambo- I, I think for he, he's one of the few players I think that can take a game by the scruff of the neck and take the play and, and kind of drive the players. When off. when did he last do that though? Yeah, I mean, I think he. I mean, he, Milan. I was in Milan. I covered the game. I was in the press right. box. He yeah. was brilliant that day. He was good. Doing no was good. one gave us a chance before that game. And you, if you thought we were going to win, I'll, you know, fair play to him. Because no one, not one Arsenal fan, thought we were going to win over there. He was absolutely brilliant against really good Serie A players. I bought the Gazette. I obviously can't speak Italian, but I bought the Gazette and asked an Italian journalist to translate it for me the next day. And they absolutely raved. They gave him a whole column to himself, Jack Wilshere. They absolutely raved about him. He can play, and he is a leader. And I think. To be fair, the club should give him a better mm. deal, basically. But just to make one final point, mm. Wenger has he, he comes out. He's come out recently when people are sort of questioning him on the contracts running down, and he said, "Well, you know, obviously, you know, with his economics head on, apparently, he said, well, it's a fact of life. Now players will run down their contract, not if you offer them a good contract." Yeah. Not if you show them the respect that they deserve after having 10, 15 years at the club from a youngster, and and, and you, maybe sit down yeah. and just just talk about it. And it feels know. weird to be exploiting the fact that he's been injured to not give give him yeah. the money. You know, not I'm not saying the three. As you're right, I'm not saying the three hundred, but yeah. some some sensible yeah. amount of money between whatever they're offering him and yeah. the peak that Urzel's getting. Uh, absolutely, because in a day it's just numbers to us. It doesn't yeah. mean anything. The club can afford right, it. But it's principle, isn't it? Yeah, it's, absolutely. If, if they want him to, st- if they're offering him a contract, this is the bottom line. I now got it. In my own head, yeah. if they're offering him a contract, then that clip we want you to stay. We're, he's picking him most games yeah. now. He's playing yeah. most games. Yeah. Then you've got to offer him not a slight, the, not the slightly insulting offer that says, "Well, but you're injured all the time." And, and also, so Ramsey, they've got to offer Ramsey a contract too. Mm. I mean, playing devil's advocate on that, if you're if you're the club, you could you could easily say, "Well, we've been paying you big money and for years and years." and stuck by you and been loyal to you while you haven't been fit. So how can you turn around and say you're insulted that we're offering this much money? It didn't work for and, them personally, Well, yeah. this, is my, well this is my next point. <laughs> Arsenal have been stung before. They've given big pl- uh, contracts to injury-prone players, and they've been stuck with them on True. huge salaries I just and, think and you not can't, been able to move them on. But I just think you can't... Um, then don't offer him a contract. Let, let him go. Let him go. You know, there's plenty of, I'm sure West Ham would love him. We'll snap him mm. up tomorrow. So how, how much will West Ham pay him? Well, I bet they're playing more than we're playing. Yeah, I'd say so, definitely. I mean, his contract's incentivised, though, isn't it? Yeah, but that's not what you want as if you're looking at your colleague who's on X amount and you're being told that you've got more performance-based targets in your deal. That's the bottom line. Yeah. I, I have to say, I, I don't look at Wilshire and what he or what we're offering to pay him against what any of his colleagues are earning and think that's a disparity, that's unfair. What would you offer Ramsey? I'd, I'd probably offer him about. I'd go. God, it's clearly not my profession, but I wouldn't go too far away from two hundred grand a week for Ramsey. Why don't they do it then? They've it's got, they've it's got Arsenal. All these great new, new yeah. people in, and for, for, you know, I, I I think they're quite good for you if you're asking me personally. But why aren't they doing it? Why aren't they sitting down with Ramsey's agent and just gone? Yeah, you go. What do you want? I mean, yeah, they they may well do that. I mean, look how long... I've not heard anything. Look, look and how, not, not many look journalists have, to be Look honest. how long it took with Ozil. Um, yeah, but that was only because no one came in for Ozil. Yeah. Um, I mean, If Man United had offered him 360 grand a week, he would have gone there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as true. it goes, I've heard from quite a few fairly good sources that Ramsey isn't happy at the club. And a big part of that is the fans, apparently. And no, how, It's all about the money. Money's the bottom line. If they offered him what he wants, he'd stay. That's the bottom line, and is they're it, not at the moment. Is, just before we move on to the to the big games coming up, I'm interested in what you were saying about um, Muslim ta- that, that Aubameyang 
not being a Wenger signing. So yeah. are you saying now this is a big kind of general overall state of Arsenal question? Are we saying now that Mislin Tat and the other, the other people that have come in, um, that now that Wenger's power has, is being deliberately reduced yeah. with a view to maybe let, not, renew, not letting him go before the end of this contract, at the end of this season is what I'm saying. Yeah. Is it possible, as some people are suggesting, that they might try and get rid of him at the end of the season? Uh, have it, yeah. Or B, are they just doing that with a view to the future at the end of his contract next season? Having, having seen the inside of the club you know, most days, I would like to say it's, uh, it's succession planning. We're not that far down the road yet, but there is certainly a power struggle going on at the moment. Um, Mislintat, wants a certain type of player you've got Husfami who does the contracts you've got Sinelli who's coming from Barcelona as well they're all basically on one side and you've got Wenger on the other side you've got Gazidis who is actively you know pushing these three as well to try and to try and sort of move the club forward and then you've got the Joker, which is in terms of cards, which is um, Josh Conkey, oh, yeah. because he's come over on silent stones. A flat in London. I've heard it was rented, but oh, you know okay. it's expensive, whatever. Yeah. You know. But um, yeah, he's been over there. He's been he's been at London Colney. He's been at Highbury House. He's been looking at, at Arsenal in, in and out. He, he spent a lot of time here, January February time. He's obviously reporting back to his old man. Gazidis is telling him, as far as I can see, that he needs to pick another manager. He needs to mm. say to Wenger, you can go in the summer, we'll bring someone else in. You know, But Wenger still, as I said, he still thinks it's three wins away from, from another glorious season, basically. And Wenger will never walk out of his contract. So no, no, no. unless John Josh Kroenke can, can actively you know, remove Wenger, Wenger will be there till the end of his contract. Who, what was the story who, with the manager who linked with... Um which like one? Ten days ago, you know the most recent one. Uh, too short. Yeah, too short. Yeah, yeah it was only it was no. only two th- no, no, that was that was no, a sudden no. arrival. There was some really good sources in Germany, and they basically it wasn't. No, it was never. more like his people, not of Arsenal. It, really. yeah, yeah, it was certain other clubs, but it was never Arsenal. He's going to PSG by the sounds of it. All right. Well, um, yeah, I can't see him. I, can't, I mean, I and it, I, I I think there's something. Do you think Stan Kroenke still still seems to be you know perfectly happy with? Status quo, isn't he? he seems I, to be a status quo merchant. I don't even think he gives Arsenal a second thought. He's obviously really? got the the Rams project, which is quite a big yeah. thing at the moment. And his son will come back and just yeah, he'll check the bottom line and go, okay, we've we're twenty three point four million down on turnover, but yeah, we can make that next season. How's it going? And then it's down to Josh Cronkey to say, actually, no, the, the the fans are completely disaffected. And ironically, I mean, when Arsenal fans are never one for massive boycotts or marches, it's mm. almost people's front you DOGD and people's front of course ironically apathy may be the thing that removes Wenger because if the empty seats yeah the empty seats and mm. obviously it's going around the world as well you see these empty seats and Wenger can laugh it off about it being Easter and all the rest of it but you know and to be fair I, I, I talked to a source at the club today and he did tell me it was sold out tomorrow um, yeah. I mean, it, well, you'd hope it would. yeah, yeah, it, it might be, you know, sort of Stalin's five year plan that everything's great and, and all the rest of it, but that was what I was told. And they were, I was told there was, there was very few Moscow fans, basically, because Moscow had turned down a 3,000 allegation. Oh, yeah. But whether it's sold out or not, I don't know. But I mean, if, if there's empty seats at every game for the rest of the season, certainly league games, yeah. that's going to, that's yeah. going to send a far bigger message than any March. Before we get onto our official predictions, are you going to Moscow for the return? Oh, do you know what? I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks and we're talking about it again today. I've, I went there in um, in two thousand and four five um, for an England game, um, and it's a wonderful, wonderful city. It's mm. an amazing city. Mm. So much history. I mean, I did English and history A level, studied Russian history, and it's amazing. I'd, I'd love to go back as a tourist, um, but but the the actual forms for a work visa 
were were bigger than War and Peace, um, and I'm just not going to do it. It's yeah, just too much hassle. Seems I've like got, a massive pain in the arse. Yeah, I'd rather go and watch the under 23s next week and watch <laughs> okay, it on TV. But, um, save it for the semi final. Yeah. Saying that, I did drive to Cologne. I did Belgrade away, wow. um, and what else was it? Um, three days in Milan. So oh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Right. What do we think is going to happen tomorrow in the first leg at home against Moscow? Arsenal 2 0. Okay. Five. Six 0 Arsenal be quite mad. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, two or three 0 I think we're through. Obviously, if we concede that away goal, it's going to be very difficult. Wenger was talking about it today, and he said, "Oh, you know, if we concede a goal, it doesn't matter. We'll just go out and play our game second leg." But if we concede a goal, it's going to be very, very difficult over there. They've they've got a really strong defence. They've got um, those two oh, the two brothers. I can't remember the name of the top red, but they're they're at the veteran stage, but they're tough as nails. And obviously, Ignacevich, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. And um, you know the fact that they beat Leon and now round they're, yeah. they're, no, they're no mugs basically yeah. so um, I'd say 2-1 and Arsenal will get through but make it difficult for oh, I was going to say 2-1 yeah. Oh. yeah yeah, no it's fine we can have the same prediction it's allowed um, and then we're also playing Southampton suddenly after no yeah. games at all yeah. for weeks on end we've got three in like eight days yeah. Southampton on Sunday um I, I didn't mm. have a good trip down to Southampton because it snowed and I was stuck uh, on the M25 for eight hours okay. and I had to file the report from my car, yeah, sure. hotspot in it. People didn't even notice. So I don't know if that's a good thing or not, to be honest, but um, listen to Five Live. But yeah, um, we, we couldn't beat Southampton away, you know, yeah. and we, we, we almost lost the game as well with Jerusalem's late equaliser. And now so. they've got Mark Hughes, so I mean, you know, surely, yeah, surely I mean, a, a sound thrashing's in order. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I consider Mark Hughes to be the most overrated. I mean, I don't even know if he's overrated it, anymore. My, my favourite line that Wenger said about Mark Hughes was when he had one of his major spats about not shaking hands, he goes, is there a prescription on how many times you shake hands? Guaranteed there'll be something about shaking hands or something. Oh, yeah, good. That's always Hughes, good. Yeah. Always good a handshake spat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, what do you reckon is going to be the score? Well, you'd yeah. like to think Arsenal can beat a relegated, uh, relegation threatened side, would. basically. Um, whether they do or not, it's a different matter. 2-0. Yeah. I'll go 3-0. I'm going to go, I might go for a really annoying one all. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I feel there's a really immensely yeah, frustrating yeah. game coming up, just to remind us of all how shit the situation yeah, really is, in my opinion. <laughs> well, thank you very much for making this uh, return of Footballistic Arsenal so um, pleasurable. Laith, uh, um, people should follow you on Twitter. Oh, You're yes, please. Laith29. Yeah. Oh, La- oh, yeah, I thought yeah. you were just, I thought you were like, just Laith now. Just, no, so, God, no, 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 no. Okay, at Laith29. <laughs> Um, and uh, James Be- at Beard of Pires. Correct. Legendary. Um, thank you very much, and we'll be back next week. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Footballistically Arsenal is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? Chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. 
But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk and we're also available on all podcast platforms including iTunes, Acast and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.